Hey guys, welcome back to Talk To Me Sister podcast, season two. If you're new to the pod, we're twin sisters and a ton has happened since last season. I'm a cancer survivor. Kathy had my baby. The baby's here, happy and healthy. Yes, and we're advocates for women's health and we're going to cover a lot of topics this season. So thanks for following along. We just wanted to take a minute to say thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, to follow if you're on Spotify, and please take a minute to leave a review. We would be so grateful if you left a review. That's a great way for our podcast to grow. We are going to be releasing a monthly newsletter where we're going to highlight a recent review, and that person gets highlighted on the newsletter, but also gets a gift from one of our sponsors. So thanks so much. Welcome, Amanda and Tracy. We're so excited that you guys are here. Um, we have Tracy Weiss. That's me, yeah. And Amanda Rice from the Chick Mission on the podcast. Yes. Um, We're so happy to be here. Yay. So glad to chat with you guys. You're incredible. The things you do, you are an inspiration, and we're excited to connect with you. Um, our missions align so we could love more what you're doing for women fighting cancer and wanting to preserve their fertility. You are both cancer survivors, and it's Woo! congratulations. I can't wait to hear more about your story. Um, and the reality of treatment and possible infertility was something you guys both had to go through. Um, and that is what sparked their nonprofit and their mission today. Um, they have been featured on Good Morning America, InStyle Magazine, Parents Magazine, and the Times Square Billboard, just to name a few. Whoa. So Sarah and I love your message, and we can't wait to hear more about your story. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. We are thrilled and also big fans of yours. So yes. this works out well. It yes. does. Yes. We're excited about the things to come. I feel like we're like a perfect collab, the two yeah. of them. Yeah. I'm like, we are girl power all the way and getting creative with cancer. I know. So are we and not often like it's a great topic, but when you're doing something empowering like that and empowering women in tough situations, it's incredible. So we we've met before and you guys know our story and you know, for me, uh, this hits home for me because I was also in a similar situation being faced with choreocarcinoma in the uterus at 30. And for me, we didn't really have time talk about fertility preservation until I was in remission, but a lot of women do have a chance to talk about it, or maybe we do have more time to talk about it before you start treatment. So before we get into the chick mission and kind of what sparked the passion to start that, um, to start your nonprofit, I want to hear from both of you because you're both cancer survivors. You're both incredible women. Um, you're a force to be w- reckoned with. So Amanda, why don't we start with you, founder of the Chick Mission. You're a cancer survivor. Um, We want to hear a little bit about your story, about your journey with cancer, and just kind of what started it all. Yeah, and I, you know, like you guys, was diagnosed in my 30s. I was a little bit older, but back in 2014 was my first diagnosis, and it was breast cancer. And as you sort of alluded to, sometimes you have time. A lot of, a lot of cases, you know, with breast and other cancers where you're not rushed into treatment the next day, you've got time to preserve your fertility before fertility threatening treatment starts. So I was one of the fortunate ones who, and that's, you know, 
fortunate in cancer, in cancer talk, but silver lining, but still yes, uh, had the time, had an amazing team at Memorial Sloan Kettering that told me about the risk to my fertility and not everyone has that shot. So first and foremost, you know, knowing the effects, knowing that you're born with every single egg you'll ever have and knowing the effects of treatment on the quality and quantity of your egg is an important piece of the puzzle. And then having the opportunity to go through a cycle of stimulation and egg retrieval, you know, that's a couple of weeks of time. So if you have a couple of weeks um, in between diagnosis and treatment starting then, and, and it can also come up with the money, which is the real big asterisk on this story. Um, you got to come up with 15 to $20,000 in really, really quick turnaround time. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. So for me, diagnosed in 2014, diagnosed again in 2015 and the third time in 2016. So treatment all of 17, I had about four years of just cancer knocking me down again. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was fortunate. I had some savings and was able to freeze my eggs. And I think the idea, you know, when I was wrestling with making sense of this, which there is no sense, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just understanding that this was an expensive thing and it was really crucial to my journey to, to preserve, um, you know, that's sort of when the little, the little sparks of maybe the chick mission started. And then luckily, you know, met this one and, and you know, rallied with, with a bunch of friends to create the organization itself. But I'll let Tracy talk about first. Yeah, that's what, it's so incredible because like you said, I think your, did your insurance deny your, um, fertility preservation at first. Yeah. They said it, I wasn't infertile yet. Yet. This is what's wild when you're so many women now, like I actually, I just went to go do blood work yesterday and I was looking around their waiting room and there were so many young women there, my age. And I wanted to go up to him and be like, what, you know, what I, do you have? Who are you? Shocking to me. And I mean, my family, luckily we had amazing, we had good insurance and we had amazing people give to us, um, mm-hmm. to help with medical bills, but that's something I love your, your awareness of this and what the mission you're spreading. Cause so many women, you know, you're, you're having this extra expense on top of the treatment bills. And so it's like, mm-hmm. that should be covered. I get like riled up is obviously why you guys started this in the first place, but mm-hmm. it's an expensive um, procedure to preserve. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to, to dot the I's and cross the T's. I mean, I had fertility benefits. I had an amazing plan and they use that excuse that you're not infertile yet. You don't meet our qualification. You haven't been trying for six months without success. I was like, I have to start chemo. I don't understand what you're talking about. And so I called back, I called back numerous times because I was like, they're just this person, this individual on the other end is not understanding what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. No, that's their, that's their policy. That's their protocol. So it was never covered for you. You ended up just paying out of pocket for that. Exactly. Is yeah. that standard? Is that standard for most insurances that you find when you connect with women that they're not getting these things covered? Absolutely. And yeah. that's why the chick mission does what we do in so many different facets, whether it's grant making, raising money so women can preserve their fertility. And of course, as we'll get into all of our advocacy and education efforts, but I was 30 years old. I had uterine and cervical cancer. They didn't even tell me until two months into this 
you know how it is, biopsy, do has it spread to your lymph nodes, has it spread to your you know, colon, just finding out fact finding. And two months in, someone casually mentioned, oh, you should probably freeze your eggs. And I know that something that we talked about with Sarah, that's really true is a lot of women, especially young women don't know their bodies until they're forced to. Um, I barely knew what the cervix did. I did not know you were born with every egg you were going to have. And I was naive enough to think that perhaps if I was going to have a trachelectomy, which is a removal of the cervix, and I was going to be able to keep my uterus, I would just freeze my eggs after. And I ended up having a full hysterectomy, um, which I didn't find out until I woke up from surgery. Um, And they transposed my ovaries to my ribs to prepare me for radiation. Of course, I couldn't have done this afterwards, which made it even more maddening that my insurance said that this was elective. And I actually had the gumption to say to the woman on the other end, I didn't elect to have a tumor. So how could be freezing my eggs be elective? And unlike Amanda, I couldn't, I couldn't call back. I paid for it out of pocket and I was pretty salty about it for many, many years until I met Amanda and her crew and we decided to do something about it. It's yeah. Part of the healing is going like, we're going to put feet to pavement. So So you went into surgery and thought you were going to come out with your ovaries and they removed, they did a radical hysterectomy for you. I do still have my ovaries, but I thought I knew there was a potential, but I was hoping I actually transferred hospitals to Memorial Sloan Kettering. And again, this was in 2009, 2010. This is a very long time ago. My first hospital, the surgeon had done three trachelectomies and the surgeon at Sloan Kettering had done 33. So I thought it would be better for me to go with the guy who had done more. Um, And they said, we're going to try, but if the disease is further along in your uterus than we think, we're going to have to remove it as well. And that's what ended up happening along with um, about a two dozen lymphadectomy. Um, It was about a nine hour surgery. It was pretty, pretty gnarly. For people who are listening, this is Tracy now telling us her story. And you, you said cervical cancer at age 30. What were your symptoms? Like, how did that start for you? Yeah, it was kind of, it's kind of out of nowhere. I am the kind of person that I got an annual every single year. I got a physical every single year. You know, I was very on top of what you're supposed to be to take care of your health. And I had some, I'm going to call it random bleeding at weird times. Um, sometimes after sex, sometimes Amanda's going to laugh. I have a lot of digestive issues. So sometimes try- it's hard to say this in a graceful way, but sometimes when you're trying to go to the bathroom, yeah. it would be, you know, a struggle for everyone. And occasionally it would be intense enough that there'd be vaginal bleeding. And I went to go see my doctor and I said, what is this? And she said that I was being a drama queen. <gasps> and then two months later, it gets worse. I went through three super tampons in 52 minutes trapped in my bathroom at my office. And when I went to go see her again, she told me that I was being hysterical. You're joking. No, a female doctor. You were a female doctor. You were hemorrhage. I have anxiety. And I was 29 at the time. Mm -hmm. And it happened again, right after my 30th birthday. And a friend of mine said, this is ridiculous. You're going to see my doctor this afternoon. Mm -hmm. And that woman said, you know, it feels like you have a little polyp or something. I'm just going to take a biopsy. It's probably no big deal. And then I got a call Monday morning. I had to come into her office. 
You never want to get a call saying you have to go in. No, that's exactly what happened to me. The bleeding, people always ask me the same thing. And I'm like, if you ever, I mean, irregular periods are one thing, but if you have continual spotting or uh, bleeding, that's just like really off for a long period of time, that's not normal. Yes. A lot yeah. of and I talked about women's health and we're like, let's always talk about what's not normal because mm-hmm. right. really talks about it. But that is wild because mm-hmm. I, I, there's nothing like that call for them to say, come in. The doctor needs to talk to you. I'm like, can you say it over the phone? No, you need to go. Nope. It's like, yeah. And, and it wasn't excessive bleeding, but my, my breast cancer was found through my left nipple had some blood. Yeah. And when I eventually went to get a mammogram, it was a whole lot of blood. Was it, so it wasn't a spot that you could feel? Like, could you? No, it was just showing up in my bra. Oh, wow. And I was like, huh, that's strange. It wasn't, you know, a hard tumor lump thing the first time around. It was blood. Wow. And blood was went... showing up in your bra. That's yeah. never... wow. so important. It's, it's, it's one of, you know, the top 10 most common, but yeah. the most you hear about, that's why I always talk about it. I mean, I was like ashamed and grossed out, but you know, it was my body telling me something was up just like your bodies were telling you. And, and at the end of the day, I, I respect my body and I listen to it and it, it is telling me something, you know, each of these times. So and that's something I think the four of us have in common. It's advocating for your own health. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so many times women in particular are dismissed, mm-hmm. um, that we're making a mountain out of a molehill or whatever that terrible saying is, but you know, there's something wrong and it doesn't matter that my paths every year were clean. There was something wrong. Sarah's so, there's more as well. So what's interesting is I had a regular pap in May. Everything was great perfect. I felt good. You know, I started bleeding in June and I was diagnosed in July. So I'm like eight weeks prior, I left the OB's office and I was perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, yay. And I had found out later that choriocarcinoma doesn't show up on a pap. Yep. It wasn't until I talked to Kathy, you know, we, we obviously are like each other's best friends. I was having like weird symptoms and I called her. I was the kind of person like you, Tracy, who didn't even, like, if you showed me a diagram of the, of woman's like pelvic area, I wouldn't even know really what a fallopian tube was. Yeah. (laughs) And then luckily Kathy, I was telling her symptoms. She was like, you need to go to the doctor. She had miscarriages before Mm -hmm. and kind of knew a little bit more. I mean, she's in women's health and knows more about the body. Um, But that's why we always advocate for people to just talk to each other Mm -hmm. and people listening, even hearing y'all's stories. You just never know. Like, I think mm-hmm. just to hear symptoms and mm-hmm. people, other people's stories kind of, you never know who it's going to help. So, so um, tell us about, uh, we would love to know now how you guys connected and yes. tell us about the chick mission. What is the chick mission? How did it get started? Yeah. I mean, it's basically an F you to somebody who said, we're not covering <laughs> your fertility preservation. That's, that's what it is. I was so furious. And at this point, you know, this has been Cancer was now my lingo. I wasn't overwhelmed by what chemo was versus radiation. I wasn't looking for doctors. I she had already done this twice. Been there, done that. <laughs> so at this point in time, you know, I was like, what the actual F is going on? Like, how could someone deny this when they know, you know, wholeheartedly that I will be infertile after a treatment? And so I kept calling back and calling back and, you know, 
it became a little bit of a sport at one point just to channel my frustration and lash out, which, you know, I'm not proud of, but it is what it is. Um, I was really, I didn't even cry the third time I got diagnosed. I cried when they denied coverage and it just made me feel like I was nothing and that they didn't care whether I lived or died. And I was a burden on the system. And so it like, that brings me back to that place feeling so helpless, so hopeless. And, you know, my day job is in finance and yeah, I did have some savings to cover it. Doesn't mean it's right, but God forbid this happened to one of my best friends from growing up who, you know, is a teacher or an artist or whatever it is. This is expensive. And this is not elective, as you know, we all know. So at this point, you know, there was a whole lot of treatment ahead and a lot of waiting around. And I ordered nonprofits for dummies and had um, you know, had volunteered at a at um a cancer charity and gotten involved in in raising money for um, you know, a young adult focused cancer uh, charity and was like, you know what? I know a lot of wealthy people. I know people who will stand up for this injustice. I know a lot of strong women. And I was on a hike mentally preparing for treatment and the name Chick Mission came to me. And I literally sprinted home after, gosh, it was like 15, 16 miles. I think the last two or three miles I ran because I was so excited to see if this domain name was taken or not. Which I, by the way, I cannot believe in 2016, 2017, it wasn't. I know. I, I, it, was for you. Yes. it was meant for you. I bought all of them and, you know, came home, chatted about the idea with my mom, who was there every step of the way with me, chatted about it with one of my best friends who literally were prepping. She was, you know, she treated me to a pedicure. We talked about the mission. She's like, I'm in. And then through a mutual friend, uh, that same friend got introduced to Tracy and she originally thought we were, you know, hitting her up for a donation. This is my favorite story. So our mutual friend, who's our board president, said, you know, hey, I really love for you to come to lunch, which, by the way, we had never had lunch before in our lives. And I really want to introduce you to Amanda. And I sit down and I was like, these girls definitely want me to just give them money. I was like, I don't even know what it's about. Cancer. I don't know. And um, a fun fact, I was about seven years from my cancer experience. And I spent seven years salty about the insurance. I wrote a memoir trying to process what had happened to me, but I had never once said out loud to strangers that I was a cancer survivor. Wow. I met Amanda. We went out with Lori. We realized very quickly that there's some sort of weird yin yang magic here where I am bizarre and into words. And Amanda is a little math nerd and a strategist. And together we're both sides of the coin. So at our very first gala, I got up on that stage and said, you know, I'm a lot of things. I'm, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm a cancer survivor. And no one but Amanda actually knew how incredible that was. And talk about a way to heal. What we do is we take Amanda's big idea and have blown it out to have helped 193 women in four years freeze their eggs because their insurance says no. It's so wild because even you just taking that step to claim like your past, like your pain has become your purpose. And that is like such a message in itself. Absolutely. No, 
in that first lunch meeting that she was a cancer survivor? You did. Yes, okay. I did. Gotcha. And, but, you know, unbeknownst to her, I mean, the minute, the minute, I think we were five or six minutes into our lunch and I was like, I'm sorry, but you have to join our board. <laughs> like we're having our first board meeting after my treatment's over in November. Like you need, you need to show up. And I did. And it was early. It's very early in the morning. Early, very early in the morning. Bring coffee. Before we um, move on. So how long have you each been cancer free? We didn't say that up at the beginning. You're. So I, I finished radiation at the beginning of November, 2017. Okay. So I sort of say I'm cancer free from my first scan in 2018. I don't know. I never know. Cause I never really like rung the bell or kind of milestone. So I kind of feel like my first clean scan, which was February of 2018. So about almost four years out. It's amazing. And if we're talking post-surgery for me, um, this January will start my 12th year cancer-free. I think that's nice to hear. And like when I was in the thick of it, y'all probably both feel like this. It was nice to hear people that were just on the other side and doing amazing things. It kind of gives you that, like, all right, people have lives after this, you know? Yeah. Well, yes. You know what? My, I hate to be a downer, but my experience was so long ago. I didn't know anyone who was my age and had cancer. I had had one friend who, when she was 16, was diagnosed with osteosarcoma and she died. Mm-hmm. And that was the only cancer story I had to work from in 20, in 2009. It was terrifying. I know, which is probably says a lot about how you kept it inside. I mean, yeah. that fear, I mean, I even still struggle with this, you know, three or four years out where it's like, sometimes even uttering the fact that I ha- had a cancer journey is like, I had to like kind of free myself from that label and have it mean more like it's an empowering thing versus like a scary thing mm-hmm. for a right. long time. When I was first diagnosed, I was like, I don't want this to be a part of my story. I don't, yeah. I don't want this to be my identity. I don't want yeah. to be a cancer person. I don't want to be like, I had all these other things. And so I always feel like that's important when I talk to women and you guys probably feel the same, that it's an important part of your story because you're, you have strength and your purpose and you're a survivor and, but it's not who you are. And I still struggle with that. I have to like, remove myself from that being all I see. Right. And how I see it is it gives us all a different lens. You're able to see the world a little bit differently and your contribution to the world a little bit differently because you've had this experience. Right. Right. It helps make you who we, who you are. You know, we're all a sum of our experiences, but it's not all that you are. Exactly. Oh, I love that so much. Okay. So the chick mission, you guys. So at the beginning of 20. 20- 21. It's wild that we're about to be at 2022. I know. Was incredible, but also (laughs) like, where did it go? Um, so the chick mission set a goal to provide hope scholarship grants to 200 women wishing to preserve their fertility ahead of cancer treatment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, our original board meeting, as I mentioned, was November of 17. We gave our first grant in March of 20, or actually no, Valentine's Day of 2018. So that will always, it was a little ahead of schedule. And we were like, you know what? We're ready. We've got the dollars. We've got the infrastructure. We're ready. So that was our first um, grant. And 
it took us about, call it two and a half years to get to 100 patients. And that happened at the very end of 2019 or 2020, excuse me, despite pandemic, um, which obviously had a, a huge hit on our fundraising and most of our events were in person. So we still managed to reach patients, help them in real time in their time of need and hit 100 at the end of 2020. And so when we started 2021, we said, you know what? We're, we're overachievers. Like, let's go for it. Let's try our very hardest to put our heads down, get creative, collaborate with people, get the word out. And let's, let's, let's match that. So let's get to 200 by the year end, which we're at 193. We've got seven more to go. No, sorry, spoiler earlier. I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there's no shortage of people who need assistance. So um, it's just identifying them and making their lives a little bit brighter, giving them a little bit of hope to start their journey out the right way. One less thing weighing down the shoulders of a woman who's about to start treatment, who's scared about mortality, who's scared about you know how they're going to pay for their actual treatment. Will they have to take time off work? What this means for their friends and family? I mean, if it's one little thing that's not that's not so little yeah. um, that the technician can help with, then we've paid it back to the girls who came after us. Amazing. Do you guys find that people are reaching out to you on social media or like through your website? Like, can they do like a one-on-one consult with you guys? So they can, um, on our website, so www.thechickmission.org, um, there is a place to put, um, you know, a few small details about you. Um, have you started your treatment yet? What's your age? What's your zip code? Because we were currently, we've, we've been able to expand into six states. So we don't currently cover every state. We don't have funding to do that. We wish um, we did. Yeah, like we're hopeful for it. So we, um, you know, depending upon, we always reply and give suggestions because there are phenomenal organizations out there that help in various aspects of your journey, um, cancer and non-cancer specific charities. So we always want to be that ray of hope, right? And it they are need-based, um, but I think we're pretty generous with our parameters. It's young adults, 18 to 40, women um, who are diagnosed with any type of cancer who haven't started fertility-threatening treatment yet. Um, there are other organizations that provide assistance after treatment. So we wanted to kind of carve out our niche before treatment starts. And we work with gosh, probably 35 different fertility partners in these six states, and we reimburse the practice. So the patient never really has to go out of pocket. Um, they waive the initial consult fee. That's part of the deal with being a technician partner. And they include a year of storage, which is also important. And that's why we're, we're talking about people reaching out you know, on the internet and um, through social media. We want to quickly find out, A, if you're a candidate, even to apply for our grant program and be if you're geographically in a place where we can help you. So a lot of people will be like, I filled out your application. We're like, no, it's not an application. We just want to know more about you in order to get you to the right place at the right time as speedily as we can because the application comes through the fertility partner. So no, okay. Important to know. Yeah. And, and just so, so we're all crystal clear, we're, we were trying when we were coming up with this, let's streamline this. Everybody needs an answer like ASAP. 
we don't want to be like in the HIPAA, like in a HIPAA headlights, you know, I'm scared to death of, of that. We're so. not doctors. We just play one on podcasts. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> we just have a lot of experience, personal experience. Yeah. But the doctors, yeah. you guys know, like the fertility specialists talk to the oncologist before you start fertility. We don't want to be the intermediary. We don't want to be the bottleneck. So somebody comes through the website, we say, where do you live? Are you in one of the states where we work? Here are the, you know, six, seven, eight, 12 uh, different uh, fertility specialists that we work with. You, you, you decide. You decide. Yeah. That's important to know for somebody listening. You guys yeah. connect the right people with the right people. Correct. Because at the end of the day, we've both been in the seat where cancer takes away all of your choices. You didn't decide to get sick. You don't want to do this. You don't want to have to do this. And if there's one person who says, Hey, you can see practice one, two, or three, whoever feels the best for you. It's a way to get a little bit of control in a world of chaos. And you can go see three of them and decide, you know, because you guys to be voices and advocates for these patients, because you've been in those shoes. I remember feeling like I can't even have like a straight thought. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know where to go. I mean, Kathy and I talked to women there where they're like, they're like, fear when fear clouds your head and you just don't know you don't even know what pieces to put together yeah like someone tell me what's next yeah you know exactly tell me what to do yeah I remember my oncologist giving me choices I'm like no no I don't want choices just tell me what to do I remember after my surgery you know they're like we took out 26 lymph nodes and we've gotten rid of all the microscopic cancer do you want radiation and I was like do you want (laughs) and I was like do I get to pick a, I'm barely 30 years old. B again, not a doctor. C, do you think I need radiation? And he said, you know, it could go either way. So however you want to do it. And I was like, no, then. and just kind of waited for someone to call me back and be like, just kidding. You have to do it. Oh, I mean, to not be comical about that. Like that's a real issue, but like, honestly, it's, it's laughable that it's like, of course it is. You know, yeah. oh my I don't gosh, want that, radiation, but that oh is gosh. even a question. So no. you guys are, um, you know, fundraising and helping women get grants. Um, and you guys are also just at, um, advocating for insurance companies, right. To start covering these costs, which is crazy. Yes. No. So are you seeing that? Um, I know that it, you've told us that's one of your big goals is to get all 50 states. But tell us about that. Like, are you seeing that change in the insurance yeah. companies? It's just baffling to me. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it's not a decision by the insurance companies because if it was up to them, <laughs> they wouldn't cover any of it. They would stuff. say no. And then wait, and then wait <laughs> to see like, what happens. We don't want to cover this. No. Um, <laughs> what happens is, and not to laugh about it because it's infuriating, yeah. um, you know, science has caught up to present day young adult cancer, right? And so, it's pennies on the dollar for the insurance companies to pay out on fertility preservation now versus trying to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a, you know, a, a newly you know, remission cancer patient in her next chapter pregnant. I mean, think about it. If it's a, if it's a dollar's decision. Yeah. They're being short-sighted, yes. Yeah. But it is it is state by state. Um, you know, the law has to change. So that loophole that they used with me, you're not infertile yet, right? So that's like the current, before any legislation changes, that's the loophole. That's how they get out of paying for it. 
Was there an so, age they had in mind? Was there like an age? They probably wanted her to try for like six months. Yes. Yeah. So if you're, they would have said, if you're under 35, you have to start, you have to try for 12 months without success. Right. You know, the old infertility definition. Um, yeah. we and over 35, it's six months. So that was crazy because can you imagine her walking into Sloan Kettering and saying, hi, I have breast cancer for the second time, but I'm going to try and get pregnant um, over the next six months. So I could then maybe get the go ahead to freeze my eggs. But if I do get pregnant, I'll just wait and we'll do chemo and radiation after the baby's born. Yeah. What? Maybe when it, it's not stage one anymore, maybe when it's, uh, I don't know, a much later stage cancer. Right. That's, that's a good, yeah, that's good for the patient. That's yeah. And yeah, cool. So, um, so it actually, when I was being treated, I was living in Connecticut at the time and there was a survivor who reached out to her local representative and he was also a cancer survivor. And that's where this first kind of my first observation of actually something, you know, that made sense to me was happening legislatively. You know, I'm a finance girl, as, as we alluded to earlier, I, I haven't studied how a bill becomes a law in a very long time. <laughs> so I did follow along. Um, I did write um, a letter about my journey that felt really good. Um, who knows if anybody ever read it, but hey, it made me feel better. And then Connecticut actually was the first state to pass a law saying if you are diagnosed with an illness whose treatment will threaten your fertility, so will lead to infertility, it's called iatrogenic infertility, then your fertility should your fertility preservation should be covered. So this applies to cancer, that's the big one, the most well-known, sickle cell and other other things. So Connecticut was first, Rhode Island followed suit. Um, and fast forward to today, um, New York, Colorado, California, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Jersey, um, and 11 states have made a change to their laws as it relates to this. Um, and I just want the listeners to know that it is an incredible feat that there is legislation on the books in all of these states, but it does not mean that a hundred percent of women are covered under these laws. It it's very complicated. It depends on where your employer's insurance is domiciled. It matters if you are on you know, state insurance. I mean, there's so many other loopholes on the positive side as well that that's why we still have grant coverage in states where there is legislation. Right. I'm sure there's so many, you have to be the perfect candidate and there's right. so many loopholes like you've described earlier. Yeah. So we do, we do say we want to be out of business every every single state. So 50 states change their laws. And then there's a law that changes on the federal level. That's the goal. And then we're done. We're rolling up the red carpet. It's over. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> uh, so you guys too, this is just, it's, it's incredible. All the things that you guys are accomplishing. You have two events coming up next year. I would love to know more about those and like how listeners can either be involved or if there's someone who they think can benefit from the chick mission. Yeah. Tell us about 2022. For you guys. Well, I will tell you that living under a global pandemic has allowed, not made, allowed the Chick Mission to get very creative and that we're able to include people from all different states in our fundraising and in our activism. The first, we're going to talk about the fun stuff, events. Yeah. Um, 
we had done something in the past called the great egg freeze, which is our version of a family friendly polar bear plunge. It can be in a pool, in a lake, um, running into the ocean. It can be done virtually as a fundraiser through, you know, a big group of family and friends, or we have put together hubs. Um, we have a big one coming up on March 20th in San Francisco. Okay. Um, that is the next one on the books um, that is confirmed. Yep. We're going to do one here locally in Austin at Barton Springs, which is always 68 degrees all year round. <laughs> so we're probably going to do that <laughs> in early Feb. Not much of a polar plunge, but maybe in Feb. Yeah, in February. But the other thing we're doing, um, which I actually think might be really exciting for your listeners, um, is called Race Like a Girl. Mm, Put together a virtual 6K and 12K because we love to work in half dozens and dozens. And it's that same model that, you know, people always use. It's it's peer-to-peer fundraising, crowdsourcing. Um, having people put together X amount of dollars for the number of miles run. It can be done with families. And we're, we're still working out the final details, but I think also. we also try to keep up. I love <laughs> it. That's so, that so cute. <laughs> um, we have worked out the final details, but it's going to be um, in late April through Mother's Day, potentially a boys against girls fundraising extravaganza okay. which, which sex reigns supreme men's can, men can always be honorary chicks yeah always i love it boys against girls girls always win okay. <laughs> it's like a- <laughs> wonderful yes. link all of the information to these um events mm-hmm. in the show notes yes did you say where the location was for the race like a girl it's virtual. Um, so you can put it together in any place, including Nashville, Tennessee. Ooh, we can we can come to Nashville and do our own race like a girl. Wink wink. I love yes, it. Listeners, Let's do you'll it. have to stay tuned Let's for our plan spring, spring collab plans. We did one in New York City last year, and we're gonna do one again there. Um, and then it just depends, you know. We have so many supporters around the country and people get jazzed. Like, you know, this t-shirt's really cute and it's just fun. We're kind of landlocked here in Nashville, but we could probably do a plunge, a polar plunge. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere here. We will find a place that's chilly. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was going to say, I know this is kind of a duh statement, but if you follow us on Instagram at, at chick mission, so many of these events, so many of these initiatives, you know, they all roll on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're not on TikTok quite as of yet no, because um, nobody wants to allow me to have a video camera and like just be, just get weird. Yeah. Okay. I want to see you guys both try the TikTok. <laughs> if y'all do it, we will attempt. <laughs> I know. We feel like we've missed out. <laughs> Like, hey, if I if I'm dared to do anything, I will do it. So there you go. Double dog. Uh-huh. Although they did double dog dare me to run the New York City Marathon. Should we get a team together? And um, I can't run for six minutes, more or less 26 miles. So it's pretty funny. Oh yeah. Yes. I'm not Patty's more of the long distance runner. I'm like trying no, to keep all right. up. we some somebody has to be in the cheering squad, right? Yes. Someone's <laughs> gotta be in the cheering but squad. But I do, yeah. Well, the other one of the other like really amazing things we have a survivor um, who is now pregnant. We love her so much. So for her cancer anniversary in 2021, she did a huge fundraiser for the Chick Mission, which was incredible. And we- as I was gonna say, and don't cry 
But we have a friend who um, is having her baby shower and in lieu of gifts is asking everyone to make donations to the chick mission. So other women will have an opportunity to be mothers. And, you know, anyone who's having a bridal shower or a baby shower can add that as an option, you know, on their registry. Um, Instead of wedding favors, people have donated in the name of the couple. It is, it's beautiful. Wow. I'm sure there's a full body chills. Yeah. I'm sure there's a place on your website for them to just go and donate. Right. Just Absolutely. Like, not being involved in anything, they can donate straight to it. Right. Yep. Easy breezy. www.thechickmission.org. Y'all, I hope one day we live in a world where cancer treatment is covered and fertility preservation is covered. I'm going to yeah. speak it into existence. Yeah. What you're Long doing time. for women going through cancer is just so incredible. When I first saw y'all, I was completely touched and our missions align and everything. Wait, I just, I'm just sitting here thinking yeah. about, um, how incredible that must feel for you guys when you have somebody get pregnant who you've worked with, who's yes. been a cancer survivor. It, like I just got the chills again. Yeah. It's, like cancer free having their own do you do uh do you work with women that use surrogates? Have you yet? So we we know some of our survivors have used surrogates. Yeah. Um and but just to kind of put it all in perspective, a lot of the gals that come to us are you know in their 20s and not yeah. not partnered up yet or or you know it's just too soon mm-hmm. to take that next step. So the math nerd in me says it's the long dated call option, right? So they can have this hope. It's on, it's, it's in the freezer for when the time is right in their journey. So we have had, we've had two babies. Two babies of mine. Oh my but God. Thousands of eggs are in the freezer. Yeah. Over 2000. Wow. Oh, that's so amazing. I know. So for 193 people, actually it's only 161 reporting still. There are 2000 possibilities. And at the end of the day, the chick mission can't guarantee what your future is going to look like, but what we can provide is hope. And I always say, you know, I don't have children. That's not how my story ended. But the fact that there are women who have the choice, who have the option to even try because of the work of the chick mission, of our volunteers, of your listeners, of our survivors, our donors, you know, this is all of our legacy. Yeah which is just chills. I mean, what hope for women? Yeah. We want to make them fight harder. Not not that, you know, they're not going to fight as hard as they possibly can to beat this damn disease, but this is just that silver lining, that, that positive thing, right. Out of so much negativity that, that, you know, gives them the motivation every day. And something that they can as a glimpse of their future and hope. I feel like that's such an important part of just a healing journey anyway. Mm-hmm. So on that note, we always in the episode where we have our guests give like one that they, that maybe somebody gave them or that just gave them hope and kept them going. So for anyone listening stuck in this, this situation or newly diagnosed or just hurting in general. All right. So... I would say if you're newly diagnosed, right, you're about to go through a complete shitstorm. Okay. And there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. There's going to be a lot of waiting. 
Um, it's not like what you see on Grey's Anatomy. It's not like what you see in the movies. There is a lot of hurry up and wait happening. And the one thing that I always try to be incredibly honest about is once active treatment is over, you are not out of the woods. That is when depression, anxiety, like my first ever, ever moment of, I don't want to be on this planet happened after treatment. Mm -hmm. So I get a little bit choked up about it. I really like to, you know, be real with people. That is, that was the darkest moment and I was done. So I felt ashamed. How could I not be celebrating? It's over. Oh no. There's a whole lot of healing that happens after the fact. So it's never really over. It's just, your life looks different. Give yourself permission to not be okay. Huge. I that resonates because I never even suffered from anxiety or depression until I went through my cancer journey and I was cancer free. Which is like people are like, "Oh, are you so you're so blessed?" Like, and you're yes, you are, but you don't anticipate the trauma and the and the dark feelings that you feel that you try to climb out of. And and you're right, Tracy too. It doesn't really go away. You just in in a positive note look at life differently your the gratitude is like overwhelming but I think it's okay to say those type of things and that's so important for listeners to hear that they don't feel shame about that and my very quick because I know we're on the clock um, follow-up to that is there's no wrong way to have cancer I felt like I deal with things with very dark humor and bizarre cooking projects and <laughs> I couldn't believe how many people, you know, I, that I was supposed to be one way or another. And if you're authentically you and you are feeling your feelings, you should handle this any way that makes sense for you. You don't have to be pink rainbows and sunshine. You don't have to be, you know, shaving your head and brave. You get to decide your own version of bravery, which is waking up every single day because you do not have any other choice and handling your shit. And for me, it would appall other people what I found solace in. That's what I needed. And if you didn't like it, friends and family, then I'll see you when I'm done with this because this is what I need. I love that. You can make your own version of bravery. Yes. Brave looks different when you're going through stuff like this, you know, and y'all such good words, such good words for people to hear because it doesn't always have to be rainbows and it really, it's not like that. And so it's no. important to understand that, like, you don't have to put the brain face on all the time. So, oh, I don't know how much lo- much more we could say we love y'all so much. Yeah. No, <laughs> we, we love you guys. And honestly, the love and selflessness that you show for each other as sisters, as family, as women, it is so empowering in a way that it makes my heart happy that you guys exist. And by the way, I'm not the optimist, sunny one. I'm the dark one. So if I'm feeling all this, it's gotta be real. And I can't wait to spend time with you in person and, you know, get to know the ladies behind the incredibly selfless and brave acts that you guys work through every day. That's right. Thank you for your encouragement and your support. And we're excited to collaborate with you guys more. And yeah, I feel like 2022 is going to be big for the chick mission. Yes. So cheering you on. Uh, ready. All right, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank Have you a great all. day. Thank, thank you guys. Thank you.
are excited to have Seeking Health back as a sponsor for season two of the Talk To Me Sister podcast. If you want quality vitamins, you can use our code SISTERS2 for 10% off your next order. This exclusive coupon gets you 10% off your next order. That's SISTERS2. Visit SeekingHealth.com.